0: This episode of The Studio Podcast is brought to you by the Figurative Art Convention and Expo, also known as FACE, which will be returning this year to the beautiful Biltmore Hotel in Miami, Florida this November. This is a -a one-of-a-kind conference devoted completely to figurative art. You can watch demos during the day by some of the world's leading figurative artists like Daniel Sprick and Bert Silverman. Then try to apply what you've learned in the evening by drawing or painting from live models. This is the ideal vacation for artists who don't want to stop painting long enough to go on a normal vacation. Go to figurativeartconvention.com for more info on that. Also, join me in the beautiful Texas Hill Country, August 10th, 11th, and 12th, for an atelier-style drawing experience. We'll be drawing from plaster casts in the morning and from the figure in the afternoon. I'll be teaching the whole process from block-in to form modeling. It's going to be tons of fun. Um, it's hosted by the Hill Country Arts Foundation, so go to www.hcaf. Dot com. Click on the workshops uh, under the Visual Arts Center tab. Fast,
1: fast as a fast bull, bull, it ain't my gosh. Shoot for stars, can not be stopped? Once I reach my seated horn.
2: Hello, everybody. My name
0: is Danny Grant. I am an artist, a drawing and painting instructor. I live in Austin, Texas, and I would like to welcome you back to the studio. This is the place where I interview and talk shop with other professional artists, and we get an inside glimpse into their daily lives as professional artists. On this episode, I talked with artist Soon Marriage Song. Soon and I were students together at the Water Street Atelier starting about 12 years ago now, And I haven't talked to her since, Um, but I've followed her on Facebook and seen bits and pieces of what she's been up to over the years, and I've been intrigued by the work she's doing. So I reached out to her. We ended up having a really great conversation, and I am happy to be able to share that with all of you here. So please enjoy my conversation with Heisun Marriage Song. All right. I have on the phone with me today the artist Hey Soon. Marriage song. Hey Soon. How's it going?
3: Hey Danny. It's going well. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course, of course. I'm uh, looking forward to catching up. We were, of course, uh, classmates or studio mates, I guess, at uh, the Water Street Atelier many years okay. ago. Now it's so crazy how long mm-hmm. it's been. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Hey Soon. Um, I just want to start by asking you, what, what's going on right now? Where are you living? What are you working on? Um, just ca- catch us up a little bit with where you're at right now.
3: Yeah. Um, so right now I live in Brooklyn um, in, a, in a gentrified, though not super fancy, section of Williamsburg. Um, mm. I'm in a mixed live-work about a 1,000-square-foot loft, which I've been in for about two years now. Um, I was in Baltimore um, about five years ago, and when I moved back to New York, um, I looked to Brooklyn instead of Manhattan, and um, I actually had uh, two leases, like a regular residence um, for a while, and then a studio lease, and I got a little tiresome having two landlords and two internet contracts, electric bills, commute. Yeah. So into, eventually, I came back um, to find an integrated place, and I really like this place now. So my commute's just coming down the stairs from my loft, where my bed is, and then you know making What's coffee it? and and all that.
0: Yeah. So you have a separate, yeah. a separate studio space in this building. So. Um, or, yeah. Go ahead. I
3: have a. Yeah, so the whole place is a loft. It's about 1,000 square feet. And so I, I have a lofted bed, and then oh, underneath okay. my bed is gotcha. a, an office. And then, yeah, so um, every day I just sort of walk down cool.
2: um,
3: from my bed. And then the, most of the space is a, you're just like a, a floor through um, where I I paint, you know, mm-hmm make all the canvases and all of that uh, where the magic happens. And then um, I have a very small sort of living space where I have like a little couch yeah. in the kitchen. Cool. Yeah.
0: Nice. Are you yeah. happy? You like it?
3: Um, I like it a lot. Um, it's not as beautiful and gracious as Park Slope in, in <laughs> Southern Brooklyn where you're near the park. Um, you know, yeah. the reason why you can come to Williamsburg and find Um, a space like this, a lost space is because they're just converted warehouses because it's industrial space, like old industrial space. Gotcha. So it's not a beautiful area. It's not, you know, grand brownstones, but, um, the space works for me and I really love, um, just being able to be here, wake up, go downstairs five minutes later, my head, um, is, is, you know, I'm head down in my journal, which sort of frames my day nice and then the studio
0: cool well that um yeah. let's go into um so that just made me think of well let's talk about let's talk about what a typical day looks like for you then so you get up and head downstairs and you said you hit the you kind of start writing first thing or?
3: yeah um so I, I should say that i work every day on saturday and sunday and that's something i need for myself um, and Sorry, that you say you, deep, you work every day. Yeah, I work every yeah. day, even Saturday and Sunday. Cool. And that's you know, I de- I, I definitely need it in this maniacal sense. But also, you know, as a small business owner, sort of financially, um, I do feel every time I don't work, there's an economic opportunity cost. So, but on the weekends, I don't always hold to a specific schedule, just because I do try to follow the social circadian rhythms of others, but yeah. um, I naturally get up, you know, six, six thirty, and I try to head the to head down in my journal by seven and I write for about half an hour in the morning. And, you know, these journals are very action and goals focused. And that's sort of specifically around a couple of goals, which I set at the beginning of 2018 for my practice. And I focus on those um, to set up my day and then the rest of the day, which I start around 8, I'm executing. And at the end of the day, around 5, 5.30 most days, I, I make sure I have some deliverables to show for myself. Um, I'm not like many other artists where um, I try to walk in nature or listen to books on tape or put music on in the background when all of this happens. I keep it very stripped down in the studio, kind of monkish.
0: Oh, okay. So, so is there anything going on in the background? Any, any music or...? Or no, not really. Yeah.
3: Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I just, um, f- you know, sort of focus on um, the, these two goals and set up what I'm going to do for the day, like sort of hour by hour. And then at the end of the day, um strangely like quantitatively um, think about uh, how many hours I, I put in and for each goal, whether or not I, um, delivered on that goal, and then also qualitatively, you know, how I feel about how the
0: day went. Wow. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's awesome. So it's a the deliverables. Type a. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the the deliverables will be a very specific, like, yeah, something very specific right. that you wanted to accomplish that day. So, um, well, first, is that is that what you're saying? Yeah. So.
3: Okay. So just to tell you these two goals that I have, um, they're yeah. very overarching goals. So I, I'll just tell you right now what the overarching goals are. Sure. Um, and they, and then, um, the, during each month I sort of go in and, and tell myself like, what are the, the month long goals? And then every day, like the very specific deliverables that I, I want to do, you know, and like mm-hmm. some of the deliverables are, will be as simple as, you know, like I'm going to transfer this canvas this drawing to the canvas or, you know, I'm going to draw this or whatever. But um, these two goals poured out um, of a very personal spring um, or font. I I was looking after my father uh, subsequently after my mother's death and then his life was, yeah, stabilizing. And then um, I had some space in my life to refocus. Um, And so these goals are so different from the goals that I had, in 2017, 2016. Hmm. So the first goal um, is is to sell, not just to write and pitch, a book called Head Study, which I worked on oh, awesome. for um, a few years. Yes. And um, the second goal is to have no fear in my studio practice. So those two goals you see are incredibly general and, and overarching. I mean, the first one is is specific. I mean, I have to sell a book. It's not just to write and pitch, but <laughs> book, yeah. which is incredibly ambitious to do but um but the second goal i think is is very you know um psychological emotional um and and is and it's sort of like throwing darts um at a target you you know everybody is going to kind of do it in a different way but for mm. me i'm going to do it in a in a partic- in a way that's particular to hey soon marriage song so yeah
0: yeah yeah um Wow, that's awesome. I, I, re, I really want to get into both of those. Um, oh, okay, cool. So much here. Um.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, well, with regards to, I mean, the, the two goals are actually really connected. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, now. I mean, it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, thinking, I didn't think about this um, to tell you before the podcast, but you know, Water Street figures in this this book a little bit. Um,
2: mm-hmm. With
3: regards to the first goal, um, I focused heavily on this book for several months when I was in Houston with my family. My mother was dying in 2014, and I didn't know how long I was going to be there. Oh, and it was hard yeah. to set up a studio. Yeah. Um, so I wrote instead because all you need is a corner and a laptop yeah, and,
2: yeah, yeah. you know,
3: in my first vocation as an adult was in philosophy and I had always done a great deal of writing. Um, So I focused on bringing these sort of philosophical and personal essays together in a book, which tonally is very philosophical, but it thematically revolves around creativity and self-actualization. But um, you're, I think you're going to really like this because the specific, the specific frame to head study um, is actually each chapter starts off discussing step by step how to build a head study. This is kind of three or four al- hour uh, a la prima sketch that you and I and our classmates did at yeah. Water Street on Wednesday afternoons with a model.
2: Yeah. Remember
3: that? I mean, we had such oh, yeah. a great time doing this. Yeah, but, but in our, in the book, the, the model this time is oneself. And we all know how difficult and anxiety producing that problem of, self-identification and self-examination is.
2: Um,
3: So then the rest of each chapter is to reflect that motif in a significant moment in my life that chronologically and um, sort of philosophically speaks that step in building a head study in a way where you try to solve the problem of the self. But then the conclusion of all of that is really there's no problem at all of the self because there's so many ways to build a head study you know, just as there are many ways to yeah. build a life. You yes. know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh my
0: gosh. I love this. I think I'm going to love this book. Um, so where are you at in this process? Is the book written?
3: Yeah. So um, I am actually really far behind on the, the actual um, selling of the book. Um, I, the I think I'm really jazzed about this book so, yeah. so much and have gotten such good feedback on it. But Um, I've had a lot of, I mean, fortunately, really good work um, coming at me in the studio. And Mm -hmm. I think really, these two goals are full time jobs. So um, so earlier this year in 2018, I I was doing writing and I tried to do the writing in the morning and the pitching in the morning, um, and then painting in the afternoon. But I realized like, I'm not such a great multitasker i'm actually quite singular in focus. so i i really had to step away from the book so my first goal is is doing really really badly right now but my second book my second goal is doing better i think
0: so well so you said you're doing a bad job at, at selling the book but i mean how where where are you at in the process of the book fully, oh yeah fully, so the is it fully yeah so written, the book,
3: um yeah, so it's, it's fully written and there's a, um, I'm doing like a really, uh, good revision on it. Um, okay. And, and, um, this, st- and I came up with that st- structure, which I think is, is quite good. And I think you have to, so I, 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 I tried to sell, um, this or pitch this idea, um, and got a, a lot of good feedback but I think the main thing was um, the most helpful feedback I got was we wouldn't know where to put this on a shelf, like where in yeah, Barnes yeah, and sure. Noble we could put this Um would it right. be in memoir? Would it be a collection of essays? Would it be nonfiction? And I, I totally understood that. And so I came up with this, with this new frame that I think will be, much more, um, which will tighten it up. So I'm really jazzed about that. But I think, um, it, that takes, take some time. Um, yeah. and because the, I think the writing is, is, I feel very good about the writing itself, but it, I think the structure needs some work, but, um, so there's a good overhaul happening, but, um, cool. but, you know, it takes a lot of time. You have to do, do the writing. And then you have to, um, pitch and then an agent has to pick it up and then the Mm. agent has to sell it so the one year mark was actually incredibly unreasonable but i wanted to make that goal anyways just for myself because i'm an unreasonable person but (laughs) that's what i wanted to do Uh,
0: um darn it i had a question and then i lost Mm. um but Mm. let me see um no, I think part of the reason... Oh, I was just going to ask you. Um, what What's your idea of where this book should belong in the bookstore?
3: Yeah, I think um, it probably should go in, in memoir. And I think the book jacket should say something about, you know, um, someone with a kind of hyphenated and complex identity learns about where where she is in terms of creativity mm-hmm. um and and so i think it probably is easiest to put in memoir because memoir is very large right um right. but but you know um i mean i remember you, you worked at barnes noble right <laughs> <I> um, <did>. <laughs> <laughs> <Many> <laughs> years. a long time ago many yeah. years ago um but you know um all of these places they're they're somewhat difficult um because they can be very large um yeah. and yeah. and um so uh it, i i think i was talking to a friend of mine and she was saying that um it's really just up to you to write a really good book and yeah, then it's up to sure. the agent to um try to sell it and market it in mm-hmm. some ways i mean in some ways it's you have to do it too it's sort of like you know, it's sort of like painting too. It's you, you, you want the gallery to sell your work, but also you have to still do your social media as well and have your own platform as you know.
0: Yeah. Um, so what's the, yeah. Do you have an agent? Is this like finding a gallery for your paintings is the same kind of process? It is like,
3: it is like finding a gallery. Um, so I would say, so I don't have an agent yet and I, would like to have one yeah. as soon as I finish. Is um, it, is it the, necessary
0: to the process? Could you could you do it without an agent? Or? I
3: I I I don't. I mean I I'm not you know someone who is super famous, so you kind of have to yeah. have an agent.
2: Okay. But
3: um, it is absolutely I think like having a gallery in some ways. Like you you make the work, and then they the agent is the mediator and then um, the patron is the publishing house in some ways. And then they sell, I mean, it's sort of, it's sort of not perfect because there's a final step because you have to actually sell the book to the reader. Right. Right. But um, you know, it's, it's sort of like that, but yeah, absolutely. Um, It's a completely different, um, you know, market that, I've had to learn about, um, yeah. but it's something exciting too, because I actually grew up knowing many more writers than artists. Like I grew up, um, in a, in a, in, you know, a lot more, so many more of my friends, given my educational background became writers. I don't have until I went to water Street I didn't have any friends who were painters or <laughs> Yeah. working, you know, working artists at all. And, you know, I grew up in, um, an oil and gas family, you know? So, um, I, didn't know that. I just, yeah, I mean, I knew you're from Houston, you're but from, I, I guess that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, so we just, all of our friends were oil and gas people. So yeah. I just didn't have any people who did these things. So, um, so it's been really, eye-opening and interesting but also somewhat overwhelming i'm trying to trying to tell myself it's fun
0: (laughs) yeah well so i'm sure this has crossed your mind but and not that it would be any less work it'd probably be more work but but uh why not go the the self-publishing route
3: yeah i i guess that's interesting because it's sort of like what i'm doing right now which is i've stepped away from the gallery scene and i Self from my studio a lot so I think the self-publishing thing just seems a, like m- much harder to me but maybe it's also more lucrative I think it's because there is um there there's sort of the legitimacy factor for me where yeah. where when I went to um when I did have um more of re- more relationships with galleries and were active um I didn't necessarily make more money, but Mm -hmm. it was, um, I think there was more development of my personal branding and platform because, um, people were able to go into a physical location that was not my studio Mm
2: -hmm.
3: and feel like there was this kind of, um, momentum and establishment of my reputation Um, But you know what? I haven't thought that much about it, so this is me just rapping. This is rhythm and poetry here that it might be really bad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but that's interesting because you mentioned that, um, you just mentioned that you've gone away from being in galleries with your art and you're sort of selling more directly Mm. from your studio. I am. Yeah, well, how's that going? I mean, you know, the gallery thing is, is like, I don't know. I don't know who's having just a ton of success right now with galleries but uh, mm. <clears throat> but it still is that legitimacy kind of thing. It's that
3: exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. There's that
0: whole part of it. Um but anyway, no, I wanna I wanna hear about about how, how it's going getting uh, you know, selling work through your gallery or through your studio, sorry.
3: Yeah, I think I ultimately um have been I mean one of the reasons so I'll just tell you so um I guess it's good to step all the way sure. back and give you the trajectory. So, you know, after I left water Street, um, I, I went to the galleries really quickly. Yeah. Um, and I think that I, I did well. Um, uh, and, but I think I went too quickly. Hmm. Um, and also. I didn't have, well, so I didn't have, A lot of advice. I just went because I had a lot of aspiration and ambition, and I didn't talk to anyone about it. And um, I did, I think I did fairly well because, um, you know, I sort of cold called, um, approached, um, you know, a a very prestigious gallery um, Mm -hmm. um, on the Upper East Side, and they, they have sergeants and whistlers and, and, and all kinds of wonderful people on, and, you know, that they're selling and they were really interested, but I didn't go with them because um, I, they only wanted um, landscapes and I was like, oh, I don't do landscapes. Mm. I don't like a landscape. Hmm. And then I started working with another gallery that I had a, um, a really good relationship with for a number of years. But ultimately um, um, my uh, then husband um, went on the job market. He was in academia and went on the job market. Oh, okay. And we, he did extremely well. Um, and he ended up wanting to go take a job in Baltimore, um, at Hopkins. And so we, we ended up, you know, going there. And I think that the still developing relationship, it was not, you know, it was not a five, ten year relationship with, my gallery um, say that in New York. It was not a five or 10 year, you know, it was not a okay. mature relationship right, with right, my right. gallery. Um, so it, it was, a, it was hard and I didn't know anything about Baltimore and this, you know, um, I didn't have a real community down there. I didn't know where to get models. I didn't know where to get studio space. You know, I had had yeah, um, just starting over yeah. shows, Yeah, it was totally starting over. I Mm -hmm. had one or two shows down there as a student, um, and I had um, a very, you know, good patron friend down there. But ultimately, um, even if you move in in a neighborhood that you know, I I mean, I'm sure you know, Danny. Like, you have a new studio. It takes like three to six to ten months to get used to a new studio space inside of yourself to get into like your own mojo in the studio. So. You know, so I I just went down there and it was it was very tough and um, I wasn't providing new work um, mm. very well and yeah. I think that was I think you know some people you go into the gallery situation and you need to have you need to have a lot of work and I just right. didn't and I'm so not are they putting pressure bad. on you to kind of deliver. I think so. And I think that the work that I was giving them, you know, wasn't my best work at the time because I was unhappy. I was really struggling with so many um, aspects of my studio practice. Um, And, and, but thankfully, you know, there were some paintings that I did really well and sold and um, Michelle Ward at principal gallery somehow found me um, and they're, they're in Alexandria, Virginia and mm-hmm. she um, found me and reached out to me and she sold a couple of my bigger paintings and that was amazing and she's so great and cool. um, and so, um, and I had some shows down there but they just weren't, you know, I just had such a difficult time and, and the funny thing was, um, you know, You know, I was alone for a long time, but there was a lot of strength in that, too. I mean, the community that I found and made was really different and pell mell. But I made it from the ground up. It wasn't a Mm. plug and play like it is when you leave um, the Atelier system. And I think you had that too because you moved to a you you know you moved out of New York. And you know, my own personal history of having grown up as a Korean in Texas. You know, I've always been an outlier in some ways and I find, you know, strength and freedom, not weakness and fear yeah. in being an outlier. And that really helped me in, in Baltimore. And it's funny, I um my ex husband and I moved to this historical Row House neighborhood in the middle of Baltimore. You know, in Baltimore is is kind of a difficult town in some ways. Yeah. And a great town in, in, in a lot of ways too. But um we moved near the maryland institute college of art because i wanted to be near artists and frankly because i wanted to be not in the white suburbs i wanted mm-hmm. to be near other asian americans and a lot of asian americans are at MICA. Huh. um and i eventually started teaching at micah and MICA was so interesting it was exactly the kind of art community that the classical realists we'd been around in new york eschewed you know i was really uh. well trained and i you know, I stuck out like a sore thumb at Micah, and there was mm-hmm. always that dichotomy that you know, you know, you have technique, you cannot have concept. You have right. technique, you're dumb dumb. Right. You know, and that suspicion <laughs> is, ironically, it's never more strongly held than among other representational painters who are, you know, sort of doing slightly abstract work. You know, and then beyond that, painting is already an indefensible medium. But, you know, I was, I was really fortunate because, you know, sometimes when you're an outlier, you can really make an impact and shine. Yeah, you know, yeah. the faculty, the more, faculty yeah. and administration.
0: Uh, sorry, yeah, I was I just mean, gonna say it's more it's it, it it's more fun to be the. <laughs> it's more fun to be that person for me than than to be, um, in uh, in an environment where there's just a bunch of you. Totally. Yeah. Totally. <clears throat> yeah.
3: Uh, um. I, and, I mean. <laughs> it's strange to be the odd duck and it's uncomfortable for a while, but then yeah. you realize that you can have a huge influence on other mm-hmm. people because ultimately inside everybody feels a little bit like the odd duck. Right. Oh, sure. um,
1: yeah.
3: So the faculty administration at mit they knew I was great and, and I was really popular as a teacher, but you know, it's, it was really, the students had a yearning to learn the kind of painting I was selling, you know, That's, um, yeah. it, so, it was very strange.
0: Yeah, no, right, it's it's fascinating. Well, I just wanted to ask you if you had any trouble, um, if you had any trouble getting a teaching position there because of your background. Um, it, you, I guess you had. Did you have a master's degree already? I you did, right? No, no, okay. I
3: didn't. You know, it's so funny. Um, I've never had that much trouble in academia because of my pedigree. I think you know. Yeah. I, you know, I went to Princeton, did well at Princeton. Then I went strangely to Harvard Law School, and then I went strangely and started doing a PhD in philosophy at Harvard Grad School, and 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 that, <laughs> uh, you know, about
0: all of that. But yeah, go ahead.
3: You know, and 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 then when I was 26, I felt called to paint, and yeah. then I had only painted for a year by myself and in community art centers, and then come. And I, w- I went to Water Street because Water Street was cheap and I was like, "Oh my god." Yeah. And, I, and I met Jacob and I was like, "Oh my god, he's so amazing." But you know, um
0: So it was I, incredibly I, cheap at the time, wasn't it? Oh my god. It was
3: incre- It was like $325. <laughs> That's nuts. And it was only because he was he he only wanted people he felt really good about. Yeah. And he wanted to make it as easy as possible. I mean, he was bankrolling the whole thing. He's so generous.
0: I know. Yeah. And
3: I mean, of course. And, um, and the funny thing is, you know, people are always like, oh yeah, you have an MFA, but I'm just like, no, I have an MFA equivalent. And they're like, well, how did you teach at these places? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> but I, I mean, I do know it's, it's those places open a lot of doors and, and, and Water Street, um, you know, I've been teaching something since I was in middle school, and so I mm. have a, a very developed pedagogy. But yeah. also, the upshot is that you know I haven't been at MICA for five years, but you know even you know former students seek me out. They write me. They come to visit me in New York if they aren't mm. living in New York. But they you know they're artists and designers or filmmakers, and they you can't believe the things that they tell me. They're like, you're the only teacher in our four years who talked to us about what you were making every year, how galleries work, what the difference between mm-hmm. gross and net profit is.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
3: um, one of my students recently wrote me. She was like, "You're the only teacher who. You're like the most who, the most important teacher." who helped me develop my taste and sensibility about beauty, which, you know, is like a damning word, damning word in that, you know, people don't talk about beauty. And then, you know, my critiques were always so different, but you have to treat students, not as students, but as young artists, you know, of course, art engages the intellect, but you have to argue also that art has to breathe and aspirate into the inner life as well. And it's very hard to talk about that stuff.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, and if you bring that kind of perspective into that environment, you're you're going to stick out like a sore thumb, but you're going to attract yeah. and you're going to be such a breath of fresh air for so many people there. Who And it's not that's the thing about those places, I think, is that is those institutions, I think, take for granted um that those students are just lapping up everything they say, and that they're, and that they're, you know, just they're really believing it. And I think a lot of them are sort of believing it because it's the only perspective that's there, or mm. you know. But when they're offered something else, um, that's got to be just a huge moment for those kids. I can, I can imagine. Uh,
3: that, you know, yeah. Like, you know. Yes.
0: It is mean, yeah. life changing for them because it's so many of them, and I've talked to I've talked to a lot of them who, you know, who I'll end up teaching in in one place or another. Who I'm, I've bashed on the University of Texas art program on this podcast before, so I'll I'll continue. Mm. Um, <laughs> mm. But I've just I've heard stories from multiple people. Just what a nightmare it is. Um. But that's the thing is that these kids unfortunately that show up there they don't know they don't know what's available to them and they think oh mm. you know they go into this program and it should be you know and you're and you're led by people who you respect and admire and and you just assume when you show up to college that these people um you know, they know what you need to know. They have, you know, they have all the knowledge and you're just going there to soak it up. And, and it's just not the case sometimes. And so it must have been magical for them to, to encounter you. <laughs>
3: yeah, I mean, I think that I'm also very, you know, I live somewhere between, uh, I don't know if this is where I never, like, articulated it, but I I think I live somewhere in between those two worlds because I, I, I don't, you know, it's not like I'm was trying to sing the pain song about atelier systems either, you know, because I remember asking an artist in the classical realism scene, just when I discovered it before I met you, um, I asked a very innocent question to this artist. Do you think you're doing something new? And I didn't, I, I was really just asking an innocent question. I remember him answering, I am part of a legacy where I stand on the shoulders of giants. Hmm. And I thought even then that is not a satisfactory answer to me.
2: And and so yeah. you know yeah. my you know yeah. so
3: you know I, I I I don't look like I am incredibly grateful to have had you know to have been an outlier, but also to be to have been embraced by so many communities, and mm-hmm. my own particular flavor of humanism is revolves around this idea that all of us have to be giants. But I don't mean that in an, any egomaniacal way. I mean giants in the most earnest, human, modest sense that we are, we must be extravagantly kind to ourselves and to others, and willing to expand and go from small um, to gigantic. Exp- Uh, proportions, Uh, despite expansion being very painful, because so many of us live Lilliputian lives, basic, small, conventional lives where we all have the potential to live as giants and become a race of giants. And how do we become that? It's a small kind of truth I didn't buy into when I was 25, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about it, but at the age of 40 now, (laughs) I see very well that it's hard to guarantee in life the consequences and upshots of your choices. You train, you throw the dart at a target, and you can miss, you may not, but the only choice is to throw, and I see that in the studio so much.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know,
3: over the years, I've thought about my teaching philosophy, my pedagogy, so much. Yeah. And this goes back to what we are talking about with Micah and classical realism. You know, I've realized in turn that pedagogy itself is very much developed because and despite a teacher's strengths and weaknesses. The Italian system is a very particular training, Yeah, you know, and we grew in that amniotic fluid, you know, for three, four years. And when I came out of it, the lo- the loudest voice that lived inside of me was not strongly mine. And that was not satisfactory to me. Yeah. And I was freaking afraid because I could not locate myself and that was not okay. But what was okay was that that was a natural fear and that, the experience of fear is the only way to expand. And my question, you know, I guess looking to classical realists and highly trained realists are, you know, are we moving beyond the limitations of a certain pedagogy that we are artistically born into? You know, are we even aware that there's a visual and intellectual circumscription Because there's there 's a grammar you know that 's devised you know there are art- artists are we aware that there are other ways to conjugate and unconjugate the structure and Jacob you know is is the most intellectual and and most articulate, and he himself was very aware of this when he said to me when I was very young that he the, the, the way he was teaching is only one way to teach how he paints how he does right and he developed that um so that's what works for him. And, right. and one teacher has a natural sense of color, subject matter, composition. Then she might not teach those important dimensions, not thinking about those things herself. So her students can suffer because they, they come to the easel not having that innate refinement because they don't have that Mm -hmm. inside of themselves Mm -hmm. naturally. But another teacher, through his personality himself, needs to focus on draftsmanship because he has some kind of global charisma that needs to be reined in. And then his students are showered upon with that (laughs) wonderful ability to replicate. And then they can even teach the next generation that draftsmanship themselves. But, you know, Uh, we have to understand that all of this stuff is very particularized. Mm-hmm. Is that even a word, particular?
2: <laughs>
0: but anyways, no, no, I, I, yeah, and I get what you're saying. I think that like, um, it's, it sort of brings me back to I think one of the reasons I I I wanted to talk to you is because you know I I don't know when the last time we spoke was. It's obviously years ago. Um, mm. <clears throat> but you know, just sort of. Uh, kind of seeing your career on the periphery you know it's been mm. it's been very clear that you were doing and you're you're really trying to develop um your thing um mm. and and it's just struck me and i i sort of really resonate with that and i really admire that and and i mm. think that Thanks. like um <laughs> It also sounds to me that that's really uh, what your book is about, um, yes. and it's also one thing that's that struck me about doing this podcast and talking to different artists is that, and also just you know over the years trying to figure this whole thing out for myself is just that. As um, we've got to, fu- you know, the, it's been a huge struggle to sort of, you know. Put away, quiet all the voices, and really, mm. you know, find, you know, exactly the art that I want to make. But it, mm. it, that's also tied into like, how do you structure your career? Or how do you figure yeah. out how to live in yeah. this world and make and make yeah. a living? And it's all that has to be so individualized, also. So there's like, there's, yeah. it's just. I'll bet you get a lot out of the uh, the the journaling that you do every day mm. because there's so there's just such an incredible amount of introspection that I think we have to do in both, you know, in in figuring out what we're going to create, and then just you know our lives in general are also a,
3: oh my gosh. a creation totally. right an individual creation. Mm. There's nothing.
0: Mm. There's no way we can't look at any other artist and go okay that's. That's what I need to do. Like I just don't think it works that way. I think I think maybe to a certain degree. You know, there's certain obviously right. there's certain things we can learn from each other about doing business or whatever. Um but my gosh, the the longer that I'm in this and try to do it, I just you like one one person, a, a shining example, I think, and you'll probably be embarrassed when I mention his name, but Scott Waddell, I think, has found yeah. like his thing.
3: Yeah. I love you know, Scott. Yeah. He's so inspirational to me.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, and he, you know, he's decided how to do this in a way that he's happy with. And then it sort of checks all these boxes off for the way that he wants mm-hmm. to live. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and he doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't. He does
3: he, not care. And it's so him. Yeah. He's it, so, it's so confident it's, without being a, a total a-hole. Right.
0: He's so amazing, yeah, <laughs> totally. And yeah. so, um, but anyway, no, I just, uh, I, 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 um, I guess all that to say that I, I really, um, I, I admire what you're doing in all, in all these fa- facets, and I think that, um, I, I think, I don't know. It's it's great to see someone out there who's who's sort of tapped into this and is like really going after it. Um, it also comes back to your your. Um, uh, your second goal, which is to have no fear in the studio. And I think that's, that's pretty much the whole thing.
3: Oh, is, no, I, I love um, what you said, because I think everything that you are talking about right now is the only thing that I think about. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to label my work right now. Um, I, they, they, the paintings that are coming out are emotive. They're not super literal. Mm -hmm. They're kind of Gothic. They're not resolved. They're imaginative. But, you know, I think since since all of that, I mean, I, I like analogizing to writers when I'm talking to painters sometimes, because I feel like the energies like, uh, uh, comes down to a lower level because there's so many wonderful writers in the world and I don't get personally angry and I don't think people, you know, other painters get personally angry because one writes one way and the other writer writes another, you know, (laughs) you you know what I mean? Tolstoy wrote epic novels where stories were embedded within stories where there were complicated tractate about, you know, philosophy and art and Tolkien wrote a incredibly imaginative work, Virginia Woolf, wrote subtly, E. Cummings manipulated this language itself, and nobody really cares. Nobody gets mad. But, you know, <laughs> the wonderful artists of the world, they, they, I really believe they found their humanity and located it themselves by, by actually traveling nowhere. They just traveled inside of themselves. There's so many things to do in this world, like you're saying. We have a blank canvas. There's a blinking screen, an empty piece of paper. You can do anything. You know, you're just finding yourself. Everything that isn't not this particular world we live in that is mucked up by this particular convention, which you know doesn't exist in some other hypothetical world that's mucked up by its own particular conventions. You exist somewhere else, maybe with other strengths and weaknesses, Danny. But you don't exist somewhere else without your own humanity. And that humanity is the same for everyone. You know, you just locate that and try to express it, and of course, it'll come out differently because. You are you, right. because in our sameness we don't, we can't help but we, but be different because we all exist at different points in space and time. We don't really have to try to have a shtick, you know. And if we do that, to say, you know, I'm going to say something really idealistic and stupid, but if we try to do that, it doesn't matter if anyone, you know, sees that canvas, looks at that computer screen, sees that piece of paper. It's special unto itself. And I think to go back to my point about pedagogy that's why it's a total bummer when artists don't move beyond someone else's strengths and weaknesses mm. because we all have our own
0: yeah um can you expand on that are you talking about when artists don't move beyond their instructor's strengths and, we- strength and weaknesses
3: yeah exactly like you you have to leave
0: yeah. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. um so so yeah, let's talk about that leaving. So, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So because you kind of left I the Water Street scene, or it felt like yeah,
3: that. I did. I really did. I you know back when I was at Water Street, um, you know I, I felt like a geriatric student. Uh, I mean I was not a hundred years old, but you know, yeah. I think Water Street people were on the on the younger end. I was twenty six, but I remember. At the interview, yeah. Jacob, oh, Jacob yeah. said, You might as well be a hundred you know him. He so beautifully puts things. He said, yeah. the door is shutting on you and that narrow <laughs> sliver of light is yeah. disappearing and it's now or never <laughs> you know? And I you know, I, I had painted by myself basically for a year before I came to to Water Street and I'd come from a st- uh, just this strange background and I remember feeling so inexperienced compared to the other students who had BFAs and MFAs or had mm. done this, this atelier circuit for years and had been doodling all their lives my yeah. you know my learning curve was extremely steep and I loved I really did love every minute of it the first couple of years the, mm-hmm. the program around then I think it has become stricter since you and I left but that you know, was more or less three years, but I left in three. And I remember sitting down with Jake on a Wednesday and telling him I was leaving on a Friday. And he told me, you know, oh, I think you're leaving too early. Yeah. I'd be happy if you stayed a little longer and I think you'd get something out of it. But I, but I think he knew I was steeled and that he felt given, you know, he said, I feel given what you've achieved at water street, I'm sure you'll be able to do anything you want in the future. And that wasn't the, wow. Lovely, lovely sentiment. But, you know, for three years, I remember you worked and, you know, I was working too and not everybody worked. You know, I was working, right. I felt eight days a week. School was eight to five with a half hour break for lunch. <laughs> I did work for Jacob to get tuition forgiveness. I ran yeah. um, for 30 hours a week, a very high level writing and consulting and tutoring business, which was I was able to do. Um, I was newly married, but then, you know, my husband was a physics PhD at Princeton. We didn't have a lot of money and we didn't get financial support from our parents.
2: Mm.
3: Um, And I I think I had always been good at school, but never felt good in school. And I remember the Mm. last year at at Water Street feeling, I am not feeling good here. Mm.
2: Um,
3: And I'm feeling ready to leave. And some important things happened in 2008, that year that, signaled that that decision was the right one. And I, I sold a few big pieces and then I, and then I also won the Green Shields grant for the first two times. Oh, wow. And, yeah. you know, I, I felt like when I left, um, you know, maybe I needed sort of a, an emotional attachment that would have been like a great transition out of, the Water Street scene because it is such a tight-knit community and as an emerging artist, you really need to have a community, you mm-hmm. know? But I think intellectually, I didn't want it. Yeah. Um, or, or you know, or, yeah, I didn't... I, I think I didn't want it, but I needed it emotionally very much. Um, yeah. but, um, but I have only amazing and fond memories of everyone there i mean obviously yeah you know so
0: but you felt like you you needed to fly the coop basically
3: i think so but i i think it was more complicated than that i yeah. mean um you know i think i just felt like i I mean, looking at the, the work that comes out, I am so amazed at how beautiful the work is
2: mm-hmm.
3: but, um, that comes out of the atelier system right now. Um, but I think that when I was there, I, I always felt like, okay, I know what to write you know, or I know what to paint, or I know what to say, because mm-hmm. there was some kind of framework. Um, but I, I don't think I ever wanted to have a framework. Hmm. Um, and, How do you mean and I framework? think I, um, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to have a, some kind of literal framework, like, um, you know, like, I didn't want to have to set up um, props and paint Mm. them. Yeah. But I felt like my training, I had to do that because I didn't know what to do otherwise. Right. You know, like now I don't always work from a model and I feel very free and happy Mm -hmm. not doing that. Um, I think that when I was younger, um, you know, I, I drew all the time and the kid, I remember my mother saying, you know, her favorite story about me was, um, you know, you were three and you sat and drew for five hours at your Fisher price, uh, little desk, but, you know, and you would draw five fingers on one hand, but you didn't even know how to count to five. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I think yeah. that's, I'm very, I love that story about me. I'm, I love that story about me, but you know, I love that story because yeah. you know because it's so it's so earnest and and I think that kind of freedom and childlike um, you know earnestness and humility. I I don't think I had that anymore when I left. Yeah. Um, and and I think that goes back to what I was saying about. You know, being a sort of being a giant, like I didn't want to to stand on the shoulder of giants, really, in that way.
2: Yeah.
3: Um,
0: you want to figure you know, out being a want... giant?
3: Yeah, but like you know, in that that beautiful way that I was trying to say, that's not egomaniacal. You know, I don't know <laughs> someone's going to listen to this and be like, "Hey, soon wants to be a giant." That's and, not really what I'm saying, you know. It's sort of in a completely different pivot way, like you know, I I I just wanted. To I don't move think it's egomaniacal, something.
0: though. I think it's I think it's yeah. just that that desire to find your own way, and that you know.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I think. That, am, I, am I simplifying you, it or?
3: No, not at all. And I love that. I love that you said that because, you know, I think something that you touched on right now, what you were saying is it brings to mind, you know, there, I think with artists, I love artists so much because there's no personal versus career bifurcation with artists. I know you get that,
2: yeah.
3: you know, it's not like, Oh, I do this. And then I do this other thing on the week, you know, it's all, it all like goes <laughs> into the same yeah. font, you know? Right. Um, I, so I know you get that, but I think so much about that, the Latin, Woko, vocare the the Latin um, base for voice the word for voice vocare is to call or summon mm-hmm. and 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 it's you know we think about the artistic voice it's the thing that we're talking about what makes you special but I I really believe the artistic voice the thing that makes you special is actually the 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 thing that makes us all the same, and it's just sieved out through our particular matter, and that makes us so different, the thing that we want to make so different. But the artist's life is a summons or calling. It's it's a spiritual thing, you know? Um, You know, life is so nonlinear for everyone, and artists are so risk-unaverse. You know, sometimes you don't get to do the work you want and when you want to. People get sick, people die. You have mm-hmm. to stop for a while and tend to other things, you know, and, and you never think, Oh, I'm not an artist anymore. No one, you don't think that because you, right. you are called. It's right. like you're called to the priesthood or something. You never think I'm not making this. Therefore I'm, I've stopped living as an artist. You're always an artist. So sometimes you shut the door to the studio or the door is shut for you, but you know, you'll walk in later and may the studio is the same. You know, and, mm-hmm. and you are different. You bring in with you something different, a better understanding of your fellowship with others, you know, some new ideas of what to create, what your role as an artist is. And it's funny, you know, people already know you signal to other people by who you are that you have been called and you never forget you've been summoned to yourself. And that's both a joy and a responsibility,
0: yeah that that idea I I you're so right about that the fact that um cuz that happens you know I, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you earlier was you know you have this great um this great studio uh practice of of you know keeping being very uh uh on task and everything what how do you deal with um how do you deal with distractions? Because in, inevitably, you mm. know, uh, especially yeah. when, when you know you, know, you want to kind of run uh, yeah. for for lack of a better term, uh, a yeah. tight ship in the studio. Mm. What, you know, how do you deal yeah. with when, when things <sighs> are just not allowing you to to be on that schedule?
3: I know. Don't I sound so amazingly focused and I'm so not. <laughs> no, I believe oh, that you are. But, oh but, my God. You know, just... I am so not amazingly focused. You know, it's so funny because uh, I feel like I'm like this now. You're catching me at this amazingly focused time right now because <laughs> I'm, I live in fear. I live in fear huh. of these deadlines that I have. And also, you know, I, as I, sort of alluded to before um oh my mother passed away my father needed a lot of care um Mm. i my it was my brother and sister and i we handled most of all of the detritus with um, my mother's death and a lot of that you know it is me when i say you know sometimes the studio Doors shut on upon you.
2: Yeah, that
3: is me talking about myself. You know, yeah. it's so, it's so funny how that is with humans when they come to truths about the universal. It's 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 just me talking about me. It's just me rapping about myself. You know, it's just so stupid. Mm-hmm. But um... no, it's not. But <laughs> I mean,
0: that's that's you know that uh, uh, I mean we are. That's yeah. No, it's not stupid. I mean. <laughs> we're we're obviously important as individuals um yeah and, and, yeah and, and and no but i think I think you're right it's there's so much about um so much about our experience is universal and and of course yeah. you know, the more yes. of that universal kind of thing that you know we experience you know going through the death of your mother all and all that stuff, i think that we um, we sort of tap into that. That uh, uh, what am I trying to say? You sort of become more aware of of this universal kind of human experience. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. And... Thank you
3: for saying that and for being generous and charitable with me because you know I mean it's hard to not to not um, be myopic in your origins of the universal, but it always is that way. You start off like very small in your own experience of the world to like grow bigger, to understand other people. But I guess that's the way it has to be. Right. I mean, it's not, yeah. it's not, you yeah, can only top experience down. what we
0: experience and, and that's right. I mean, and, and that's not uh, just because it's us experiencing as an individual doesn't, uh, I think it doesn't minimize it. And and it actually does the opposite. I think, I mean, we are an end in ourselves, to uh, paraphrase Rand, who you know I love.
3: Oh, I know you Maybe. love Rand. And I to- I totally agree with that sentiment right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I do. Anyway, so.
0: sorry. You no, were in the I'm middle so of something, or I was in the middle of something.
3: I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> no, no, I. I mean, it was great. I was just going to... I don't know what we were going to say. I was going to mention my project. Oh, you are talking um, about,
0: um, you know... Oh, well, yes. Okay. Let's get on to your project. We were talking about doors closing in the studio. and oh, know, yeah. Of being out, of our, studio. out of our hands.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, the doors closing in the studio. I was just going to say, like, oh, well, you were saying that, you know, how did I seems so like running a tight ship right now but I think I live in you know sort of in fear but I also feel like you know I I moved back to New York like four or five years ago now after because I I basically because I got divorced you know and that is it, 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 you go through that it's all so you've really gone are... through some big
0: stuff. You've, you had the divorce. Yeah, your mother died.
3: Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, you, know, she, you know, there's just feedback. the feedback loop. It's not like, you know, it is it is what it is. It's like, you know, that's a financial, it's hard financially. Mm, yeah. it's, it, there's material consequences to that. Yeah. Um, you know, you, we, uh, the, all the kids moved back to to Houston when my mother was dying. Mm -hmm. You know, I lived in my childhood nerd of a room for a month, you know, it was horrendous, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and then, you know, this is what happens in life. You know, I don't have any global regrets about any of it, but, Mm -hmm. you, you know, ask yourself, like, could, could things have gone better and could, could those things have, you know, been better for my career? Yeah, of course. But um, it's not like you don't you don't see the trickle down the way you know we're not God. We don't see the trickle down in in a in a certain way. Like all of that feeds to the to the um, to the work itself. Like you know the the second goal that I was talking about um, the. Do I have fear in my work now? I have no fear in my work. You know, I have fear like, you know, I. it's scary always to be, you know, single and have to pay rent by myself. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. of course that's scary. You know, um, it's, it's scary like, oh gosh, am I going to sell a painting or whatever? I mean, all of those things are scary, but do I have fear? am I scared standing in front of a canvas nowadays? Never, never.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Never. That's awesome. So there's no fear about, yeah, I think one of the great things about Water Street and getting that education was that absolutely 100% took away. What I got out of that was total confidence in producing work just mm. like total confidence in my my skill level my ability to, to to um to technically make you know the the kind of the high level of art that i wanted the 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 trouble the more difficult the way more difficult part um mm. has been um making work that i'm i i mean i'm I'm proud of everything that I've done, mm. but there's so i feel like it's so untapped as far as um the potential there and as far as doing work that is uh just i i I don't know there's there's so much. and i don't know if there's any i don't know if there's any fear involved um but maybe a little bit there's still voices in my head that they're getting sure. quieter but um sure. you know when you come from such a strong community like that um it, you know it takes a long time or it has for me to sort of like sort of get beyond that and not care about what that world might say about art that i'm making Mm. I don't know if you've gone through any of that,
3: well, yeah, of course I did um you know at the beginning it's so interesting i I hung out a lot with a couple of artists who also didn't stay close to Water Street right after I left school and and then I did see some artists who were you know stayed within that um that world, and I remember there was even incredibly visually, a huge um, difference in um, what their studios look like. Um, mm. You know, some you know, you know, I painted my studio very light. Um, you know, I try to use natural light sometimes, which i was I struggled with because, you know, as you know, in our training we didn't use natural light. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, um, our studio at school was this sort of beautiful brown, green, loden color, dark, mm-hmm. um, and you know, very chiaroscuro. And um, you know, and an one of our friends, you know, she was painting in this sort of lavender background, very. Sort of feminine and and so herself, and then mm-hmm. you know, and then I went to see some other people, and they were painting with that brown, you know, green loden background, and had a tabouret and you know, still still very much like a sort of a mini clone of the studio that we had painted in at mm-hmm. school, and and it's it's just it's different, you know, the kind of work that comes out of it is different, you know, and um. Sure. And and I think for, I think you have to, I think that voice, it's so interesting. Um, That voice has to be, to quiet down. And I don't know, for me right now, it's so still. um, And I feel so so strong. But yeah, of course, it's so, um, I mean, I think it's also because our background, um, even the dialectic was so articulate and so um, argumentative. You know, mm-hmm. you think that what we, what we were doing was learning a particular skill, we weren't. We was, there was argumentation, there was a dialectic of, of, of the kind of work that we were doing. We were mm-hmm. always talking on the defensive or on the offensive. About what we are doing, and, and that is something that you have to. That's hard because you you get brought into it, you know, and and you know the whatever debate blood is on your hands, and it's hard to wash that stuff off. Sometimes,
0: <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah, and I. I yeah. mean, I. You know, I still. I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, you know paint some picture of 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 going through some i i mean i'm still i love that education and i got so much out of it and and i'm so thankful for it um yeah i think my thing is just that it it totally took over just put so much into getting this skill level Mm. and um i'm sorry for people who've Listen to all the episodes of this podcast. I've said I know I've said this exact thing before, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I I put so much and we all did. We threw so much into uh the process, and mm. for me, I sort of um I ended up making work that before I went into that situation, I thought I had mm. no interest in. I was totally bored by still life paintings i didn't care about still life paintings mm-hmm. at all i hadn't i didn't mm. care. like i didn't want to see us i thought who does that why do why would anyone do that it's so boring um and then but that process lends itself perfectly to painting still life sure, right? sure. and so right. um I, I think that's the thing that that i'm just you know i want to uh move I was going to say move beyond, but that sounds bad. It's, it's not, no, that, no, I don't it want to doesn't. stop doing and, I that, mean, but you know what I mean.
3: It's so, it's so consistent with what I was saying about me, like at my Fisher price drafting table, yeah. you know, just yeah. drawing five fingers on it. I mean, it, it, you know, like I, I was saying exactly the same thing. Like I didn't want to, you know, always have to have a model and I didn't always want to have, you know, um, mm-hmm. something sitting in front of me and having a controlled because life isn't controlled. You know, life isn't controlled. If something, if, if there's something that I learned the last several years going through the, the, the morass of life is that, you know, it is stochastic. It is random. It's uncontrollable. Like, and the thing is, it's so wonderful because you can Go into the studio and control something. You yeah. know, you can yeah. make that choice. That's what we we're talking about. Like, you can't control the consequences. You can make a, a, a shitty painting, of course, but you can go to your studio, like your easel every day, and go to your still life and be like, well, I have this one light source. You know, <laughs> I have a light box, and here's this, you know, ball, you know, and here's the Terminator. Mm-hmm. And, and you can do all of that, or you can make work that um, is more reflective, metaphorically and metaphysically reflective of what happens in real life, which is that things move and are ra- random and are semi-permeable, and everybody's different. And but the thing is that that is so striking about what you're saying is that you aren't really moved by the subject matter. You're, you're moved by this reliance or this, this wonder, you know, this wonderment of, of the process. And that's, that's fine too. But, you know, I, I always think it's interesting to see um, the artist evolution because you, mm-hmm. you have to, because every single day you change no matter what, I mean, you have kids, Mm-hmm. You see. You see. They they are they don't even have to try. They are changing all the time. Oh and God, so are yeah. you. Just yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great that's a great point, is that you know, we're constantly taking in new information, getting inspired by new things, different things. And um, um I just I think there's probably a benefit business-wise to you know you kind of um i'm sorry i know stay the same and have a stick yeah you kind of of hit this same note over and over again and then everyone knows hey there's hey he's the you know he's the baseball guy he's the whatever guy he's the baseball guy with the glove of course yes (laughs) and and like And it's been so tempting to go, Okay, I just, you know, that's how I'm going to have that's how I'm going to have success. I'm going to be the baseball guy with the glove. I'm going to go to baseball conventions and I'm going to I'm going to like, you know, whatever. Right. I'm going to just kill that market. (laughs) But I just can't get myself to make another painting like that because I just I love that. I'm proud of those paintings, but I don't want to. I want to do other stuff. It's so uh, that's, um, anyway, it's kind of where I'm at.
3: No, I mean, <laughs> I think that a lot of artists who, um, want to grow, but also need to put food on the table are absolutely at the same place. I remember when my gallery, I moved to Baltimore and I was trying to do a little bit different. I wanted to do different things because I really loved the paint, uh, the architecture in Baltimore. I mean, it sort of mm-hmm. has, it's past its heyday as a city, but a beautiful, beautiful architecture there. And I was trying to do this kind of different work. And I mean, it wasn't, they weren't loving it. They really loved, they really loved these other kinds of paintings that I were doing that was sort of more haute couture kind of, I, I think they were like fashion friendly kind of mm. paintings, design friendly mm. paintings. Um, you know, sort of the beautiful women. Um, yeah. And, and I wanted to make more narrative paintings and they were not jazzed by it. And they were like, you can, you can evolve and pivot, but you don't, they're like, you're an emerging artist and you don't have a solid collector base yet. And so before you do and change, you have to like make sure your, your collector base is willing to go with you there. And I thought that was really smart. I mean, of course it's really smart. There are whatever, but you know, I thought that was, that made a lot of sense to me. They're like, you know, if you want to pin it, you can't just go and be like schizophrenic and then just do whatever yeah. the heck you want. You, you do kind of have to have um, a sort of a familiar, familiarity and be recognizable right. to a collector base that is willing to follow you as you grow. And I, and, and I thought that makes a lot of sense. Unless you, you know, have your own platform and you're making money doing something else like selling instructional videos or, um, you know, getting commissions, you know, doing something, you know. But I think yeah. with the the gallery stuff, like they do, they they have a strange business model in that they're just renting space and everything that they're selling is on consignment. And so mm-hmm. why wouldn't they want you to have, um, why wouldn't they want to have like, you know, you know, 15 uh, artists in their stable and every one of them is doing something recognizable and stable and familiar to the outside world
2: for them? Oh yeah,
0: of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just hard uh, from the artist's end. Because you just, I don't know. Absolutely. I just want to go in a million different directions. Um, Yeah. And it's, and (laughs) sort of like, you know, what's funny is I want to go in a million different directions. And then, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what? I need to just make a painting. So I'll end up going, sort of going back to kind of the familiar. and, and And I'll find something I'm excited about, you know. Sure. Not, I'm not making I've never done I've never made a painting that I didn't want to make. Right? Of course, of course. Um But yeah. Anyway, it's I guess it's just uh the idea is it's 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 hard to to really fully strike out there and, and, and do something. Um that's that's totally new, I guess. Um Sorry, I'm rambling a bit. Let let you mentioned uh, a project earlier. Yeah, yeah. Let's so, talk about that. Um, yeah, so I've three three large commissions
3: this year, which I'm really excited about. One is from a long time supporter, and the other two are first time collectors. But the um, one of the driving, the sort of the big driving project in the studio, other than these commissions, is a collaboration um, that I'm doing with uh, an award. Winning writer Tommy's or Helen. He's also a professor at Marist College, and um, the project is is actually called Frankenstein Confidential. It's uh, the bicentennial of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. And oh, cool. He's yeah. Tommy's working on a manuscript, which is basically a retelling and reimagination of her story, but this time it's set Nazi Germany. And my contribution. Is to create about eight huge paintings. There's going to be an installation, um, and a couple of these paintings will be mural sized. And wow. I'm also doing, yeah, I'm also doing some prints. So I'll be at Penland this summer in North Carolina doing some printmaking, and um, cool. my 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 contributions is sort of a visual response to and evocation of Tommy's work, but it's not direct illustration at all. So um, I went into the collaboration, which is is basically a year long collaboration. And I knew I could do something very good and new artistically that I would have a lot of leeway and pivoting and that there would be sort of kind of a happy feedback loop from my work to Tommy's manuscript, which is very much alive and in progress. And, and the, the Frankenstein story is, is, is so cool because it's it's in in line with what you and I've been discussing this whole time. And the myth of the golem um you know, the the man out of clay, the clay Mm -hmm. man, it's very present and complicated in the Jewish tradition. So, you know, it goes this Nazi Germany thing, but you see it across all cultures in so many ways. This Promethean impulse in humans, not only to create, but to create copies, copies of ourselves. And then these copies, these golems out of clay are imbued with their own free will and agency. And then they go forth, they realize their own dreams, and then they, in turn make their own copies of themselves, and so on and so forth. You know? yeah. um, but with regards to Mary Shelley's original novel, people always forget it's so oh oh it just gives me chills. People always forget that the monster was unnamed, and that mm. Frankenstein <laughs> was not the monster but the scientist who was moved to create something out of nothing, which means a base. Frankenstein was an artist. And the question of the book is, of course, who was the real monster? Was it the actual monster monster, or was it the scientist artist? I think that's a very tantalizing idea for the philosophy behind the work that I'm creating. The approach to all of this is to see the characters and everyone as a goal in themselves. So even the monster is not ugly, not like the Boris Karloff, um, Mm -hmm. TV, you know, movie, but the monster is beautiful, fragmented, made of many cadavers, giant, flawed human and God, beautiful, you know, perfect and imperfect. But so are we all, you know, so are we all, we are all unresolved and resolving and, you know, coming into being an incipient. So, um, the work has been so fun and, so such a breath of fresh air for me um, imaginatively and in my studio practice, like I'm making huge paintings and manipulating the figure because I, I am a figurative painter and that's what gets me out of bed, but I'm not, I'm not slavish about what I'm doing at all. I still use an incredibly limited palette because that is what, um, you know, that is always what has made me, you know, I work, I do like six colors. Mm -hmm. I I only put six colors on my palette ever. Even when I'm in, you know, doing landscaping, I only do that because, you know, I, I think about the whole of, you know, the whole of human experience is, is only made up of a few things, Mm. but you can make the whole range Right. And it's all so much and beautiful. But it's only out of a few things because we're all really the same. So my palette, this limited palette that's unsaturated, but like when you put it all together, looks super saturated. That is really reflective of my own personal humanism and and, and philosophy. Mm-hmm. So it's been really, it's been really happy in the studio for me.
0: That's awesome. Um, well, hey soon, I don't think we could leave on a better note than that. No, oh, thanks, um, Danny. Is there anything else you want to say before we close here?
3: No, um, I guess I'll, I'll, the The website is, um, yeah. going to be up and running in July, but it's, okay. uh, Frankenstein Confidential with a K, Frankenstein Confidential with a confidential K.com.
0: Okay. Awesome. All right. And um, your website?
3: Um, www.hmarriage-song.com and marriage just smells like love and marriage. All
0: right. Hey, Siren, it's <laughs> been so good talking with you. And Thank up. you. And, um, Sammy I'm so, so excited nice. About, I'm excited to see all the things that... Um, I can't wait to read this book. Oh god me <laughs> I too. <can't> <laughs> to <see> That's <those> <laughs> no, such a great idea. Uh uh and I really I think um I think it's going to be so interesting to read. Um, it's a really really Whoa. great idea.
3: Thanks. Water streets in there so awesome. be ready. I'm going to dish the
0: dirt on everybody. Uh, well, scene, I mean man. don't Just worry. Like, yeah.
3: Uh, everybody has a pseudonym, so don't worry. Oh, don't worry I much.
0: can't wait. I can't wait to try to figure out uh, who's who. That's going to be awesome.
3: Yeah, you're, you're Donnie Grant. You're <laughs> Donnie Grant,
0: so don't worry too Nobody much. will figure that out.
3: No, never. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Heisun, Uh thank you so much. It's been so fun. Um, and everybody look out for for what's coming up new from Soon Marriage Song. Thanks, Danny. All right. Okay, many thanks again to Heisun Marriage Song for taking the time to talk with me for this episode. I am excited to uh, follow her career and see where she goes with both her painting and her writing. She is uh, just an impressive uh, and very creative person. Um, Okay, join me Deep in the heart of Texas, in Ingram, Texas to be exact, that is near Kerrville, um, August 10th, 11th, and 12th, I'll be teaching an atelier drawing workshop. We will draw from plaster casts in the morning and from the figure in the afternoon. Go to www.hcaf. Com for all the info on that. And of course, go check out figurativeartconvention.com for the latest info on this year's FACE conference happening again this November in Miami, Florida. The faculty for this conference is once again top-notch. We're talking Sabin Howard, Burt Silverman, Graydon Parrish, Daniel Sprick, to name a few, so don't miss out on that. Please, if you are listening uh, on iTunes, leave comments and rate this podcast 8 out of 5 stars. I definitely appreciate all of that support. And if you'd like to support uh, this show with your wallet, you can do that by going to the podcast page at dannygrantfineart.com and clicking the Donate button in the top right corner. And that is all for this episode. I wish you all a happy and productive painting day. And I will see you next time. Bye.
1: I won't say I love you, babe. I won't say I need you, babe. I'm gonna get you, babe. And I will not do you wrong. Living's mostly wasting time And I waste my share of mine But it never feels too good So let's don't take too long For you're soft as glass And I'm a gentle man We got the sky to talk about And the world to lie upon Days up and down they come Like rain on a conga drum Forget most, remember some But don't turn none away Everything is not enough And nothing is too much to bear Where you been is good and gone All you keep's to getting there Well, to live's to fly All low so shake the dust off of your wings And sleep out of your eyes It's goodbye to all my friends It's time to go again But think of all the poetry And the picking down the line Well, I'll miss the system here the bottom's low and the treble's clear, but it don't pay to think too much on things you leave behind. Well, I may be gone, but it won't be long. I'll be a bringing back the melody and rhythm that I find. We all got holes to fill And them holes are all as real Some fall on you like a storm Sometimes you dig your own But choice is yours to make And time is yours to take Some dive into the sea Some toil upon the stone Where to live, to fly All low High. So shake the dust off of your wings and sleep out of your eyes I'll oh, shake the dust off of your wings and tears out of your eyes.